Welcome to Rodmanly Podcast. Today on Robert's Corner, we will be discussing and finding ways to recover amongst the odds. Last month was Mental Health Month, but despite it ending, there's still a great need today in our communities. Rodmanly Podcast is trying to promote wellness in our mental and emotional struggles, be it mental health, substance abuse, or any abuse. Healing and hope is what we at Rodmanly Podcast tries to promote. As I mentioned before, today we'll be discussing about finding recovery amongst the odds. And with me today is returning guest Joel. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining with us today. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. Glad I can help again. You know, be part of a discussion again. Yeah. So I'd like to put a disclaimer: if you are in crisis right now, please seek immediate medical attention. I always like to bring up a quote, and this quote says, "Some people cannot be cured." But everyone can heal. I found that that、um, being cured seems so clean and neat. Life isn't that way most of the time. I know that with my recovery, it never felt near to that clean. It usually is more messy when you really think about it. And the idea of it's okay to not be okay really resonates with me. If I was so concerned about making my recovery more final and clean and neat, well, I wouldn't be here today.、Uh, so many times I had pie in my face moments, struggled just to get, just to go through the motions, just to get through the day. Joel, seeing recovery through your experience, how important was it to be cured versus healed? You know, the idea of cure, there's some finality to it, but when it comes to Healing—it's an ongoing process. This this spans a whole lifetime. Oh yeah, I mean, he, there's no such thing as、uh, as cure <laughs> having a cure, right? Yeah. yeah.、Uh, I mean, we're not we're not talking about、uh, the COVID virus as you know, as if we're all waiting for a vaccine for mental health that's going to you know、yeah. solve the problem, right?、Um, uh, if it were that easy, if it were so easy that you know people could just. Um, get get a vaccine or get you know anesthetized to、uh, whatever they're going through, whatever trauma they've faced or whatever、um, you know kind of crisis they've gone through. I mean, my, myself included.、Um, man, how you'd be a millionaire, yeah, <laughs> billionaire. Yeah. You know? The the fact is, crisis、um, probably one. You know, it it may seem like a, a curse, but probably one of the benefits of crisis is、um, is going through the the, the developing struggle and the.、Um, The、uh, the work that it takes to、um, uh, not just to cope, but you know to to accept that you know it's it's okay for not everything to be okay, right? That's something you say all the time.、Mm-hmm. Um, that that struggle,、um, there's a lot of meaning in that. Yeah. And would you really want all that meaning to be gone? Yeah. By making it so simple as you know, just take the spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like、um, it's you know. The path of least resistance is usually the path we shouldn't take. You know,、um, mm-hmm. we find more value and we learn more lessons from our failures than we do from our successes, quote unquote.、Mm-hmm. Um, how true、Absolutely. would you feel this statement is? You know, COVID with you know today with COVID nineteen, everyone's trying to see.、Um, there's a lot of fear going on. Everyone's trying to see why it happened, why, who did it. You know, put、yeah. the blame game. <laughs> and the thing is, it doesn't heal anyone. And in、oh, that no, regard,、no. And all it does is cause fear, and you know this us them mentality, this idea、yeah. that 
you've done wrong and you've oh you you're oh you have to pay for that and for us as a community when we do you know find you know the vaccine or whatever or something that may help who gets it who gets it and like who are the people who who, who are deserving to get healed and what does recovery really in our communities look like is it just them those people who i can tolerate or is it everyone and when we talk about recovery and healing we ask the question who is my neighbor you know being um christian you know am I, uh, just like you it's just you know that whole conversation jesus had with the lawyer you know he tells all this stuff and at the end the one question he says is who is my neighbor like who who uh who deserve to be healed who deserves to get healed and that's something that i find you know, society-wise, it's very important for us to discuss when we talk about COVID-19. People who've lost people in this whole struggle, people like, how do you heal from that when you're just pointing the fingers, when you're not getting the rest, when you're not taking care of yourself? When recovery is not the forefront, it's really about something else. Yeah, I mean, you know, the blame game is, is an easy thing to do, whether it's COVID or just you know, whatever's going on in your personal life. I mean, um, you know, I think most of us might you know, just in the struggles I've had, uh, it's, you're always looking for a scapegoat, right? You're always looking for someone else who's to blame other than yourself. And, but you know, the, the blame game is really just about taking it off of your own shoulders and, yeah. um, and putting it on somebody else. And, and I think there's ways to, to share in what you're going through without blaming somebody. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's important to have, uh, connections and to have, um, friends and to have mentors and to have relationships you know whatever trauma you've gone through because they they do help um they do help you to heal Mm -hmm. um they do help in the healing process um and even the people that have hurt us i mean depending on what it is of course i mean Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what the what the 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 violation was um you know uh they can they can maintain relationship too with you Mm -hmm. yeah um and uh in some cases um you know it's not safe to do that it's you know they're um, it's it's not the right it's not the right path. It just depends on I mean circumstance dictates. But um, you know, no amount of apologies, whether somebody did something wrong or not, no amount of apology is going to make it whole. Mm. You know, we're we're not made whole. Like if we're robbed of something in our lives or in our person or in our relationships, and uh, we're not going to be made whole. I mean, you think of of uh, you know a, a, a spouse that that cheats on a on on her on his wife or or. A, wife that cheats on her husband um you know there may be some some reconciliation that can come and some work that can be done or some healing that can be had but they can't be made whole again by an apology right there is no cure for for that i mean there's working through it there's there's learning how to live afterwards um but there just there isn't an ability to be made whole it's not it's not possible it takes time you know healing takes time you know a lot of people try to rush it and that goes back to the whole magic pill the Mm -hmm. healing there's no shortcuts you know healing is a process when you lose someone you got to go through the grieving process yeah you got it's all a series of grief i mean it's not about losing an actual life i mean yeah you're losing things within yourself you're you're a part of you is gone uh whatever it is i mean or or, uh, you know a relationship or a friend or you know money right i mean you uh, all of that is grief, um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the process is relatively the same. I mean, my my, my grandfather died of the COVID virus, 
and uh, his funeral is going to be in July. Um, you know, my grandfather, he, uh, several conversations I had with him before he passed, he was, you know, he, like one of his dying wishes was that, you know, I would, I would do his funeral, that I would be the one that, you know, would conduct his funeral. And he, he kind of wanted to know what I was going to talk about and how it was going to go. And, you know, he wanted me to plan with him even before he died. And, uh, and there's some healing in that for him and for me, um, you know, and some, some grieving that, that took place even before he died. Um, this was before he got the COVID virus, you know, about a year before. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the fact is I may not even get to do his funeral. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason is, is because there's family dynamics and there's all kinds of other stuff going on. Yeah. And, you know, um, I mean, there's all, all these like hurts and broke and things and, and everybody going through different, a process of how they grieve and what COVID did and not allowing them to spend time. Like my mom didn't get to see him before he passed and the other family had to Skype in or I mean had to zoom in and you know it's just a, a nightmare and all of that all of the complexities of relational breakdowns that which is essentially what what was happening um, have resulted in um, hurt feelings and mistrust and a, a lot of stuff that is all just really related to grief yeah um, each person grieving in a different way and uh you know, I'll have to deal with some hurt uh, from that as well. Like if I don't get the chance to, to do that. But I mean, that's part of life, right? I mean, part of life is learning how to live through all of the brokenness. Yeah. You know, one question I ask, um, you know, my group a lot times when you talk about grief, when you talk about loss, is what do you think you've lost or what did you not get that you expected or desired to have? Mm -hmm. You can peel that onion as much as you want. But the funny thing is, a lot of the one thing that's different, at least for any for those who have you know not old enough to have been there for the Spanish flu, you know, with the COVID, is that it affects everyone, you know, one way or another. And it's easy to feel sorry about something miles or thousands of miles away, but when it affects your day to day, when you can't go out like you would normally, and there's this systemic fear, there's a loss. You know, you lost your grandfather. There's loss in jobs. There's loss in plenty of people, even in the church I go attend to now, have lost their lives, lost their livelihoods. You know, um, it's 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 a lot of pain, and there's a lot of social isolating because of the social distancing, and for people not finding other creative ways to adapt and connect. You know, we would we do tend to love to have the face to face, but Sometimes with the with the certain certain circumstances, you're not allowed to. You're not given that opportunity, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and, you like, know, there's there's yeah. a lot of weaknesses that that you know vulnerabilities that that are hard to to get into, and um, and uh, you know people tend to avoid them in many ways. And um, something as something as simple as a virus like that we have no control over. Uh, reality was just a, just a few months ago that we had control over almost every virus that we that we mm -hmm. that any would have exposure to I mean uh, yeah, of course there's AIDS and HIV and things like yeah. that but I mean we're we're pretty much in control of of, <laughs> of mm. those kinds of things and then the vulnerability of, of things now is like we're we're out of control again and uh, so I think so much of um, of crisis and things we go go through is you know they, they touch that part of us that wants to be in control of everything and we realize we're not and so yeah. now what do we do? 
now that we're not in control. Um, you can embrace that, and, and, and in fact, there's some, some things can be exciting about it, not being in yeah. control. Yeah. Um, but uh, of course, people, people get hurt and people die. And um, I would say like even a lot of this uh, social unrest that we're experiencing over, you know, the racial um, stuff, you know, Mr. Floyd and George Floyd and yeah. all the stuff that's going on there, um, it's exacerbated by the fact that we've been locked up for three months. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's like shaking up a bottle of Coke and you shake that thing up and you pull the cap off. And, yeah. and some of it's necessary. I mean, some of that explosive kind of emotion is necessary. It, it lets you know that people are alive and people still care. Yeah. Um, people care enough to do something. Well, the same yeah. thing in our personal lives, right? If you bottle it up, if you keep it all inside mm-hmm. and, and, and you just constantly you constantly push it down and push it down and push it down. Well, it's, it's going to find a way out and it's going to find a way out sideways and explosively and, and in a way that is more raw in its emotion. Better that it comes out that way than no way, but there's other ways for it to come out that can be much healthier, much more therapeutic, much more cathartic, uh, more reflective mm-hmm. and build up some of your coping skills so that so that when you go through a crisis again or you go through a mental health challenge again um Mm -hmm. it's not so complex that it that it destabilizes us or or in or you know um what would you say um uh disempowers us from from living our lives the way we we would we would want with some semblance of happiness right some joy even in the suffering you know, it's funny you say control. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of people try to separate mental health and physical health, but they're all intertwined. Oh, if I, of course. If yeah. I did, if I did, if my value was like, if I die tomorrow, that would be a relief. How mm-hmm. likely would I take care of myself? Joel? How likely would I care about that um, being healthy? How likely would I care about any of that? And then, you know, I find that a lot of times physical illnesses can cause some mental mental um, conditions that may mm-hmm. exasperate but on the flip side too some mental conditions that are not addressed will physically affect us so they're intertwined and a lot of the um, things that people struggle with is sometimes ignoring one to another separating mm-hmm. the two you know mm-hmm. we just went through mental health month and we're talking about controlling the uncertainty me you know you know me for a while and when I first came down to Florida, there was a heavy amount of uncertainty, especially those, mm-hmm. with those close to me. What they sure. saw in me, what they expected, what they what they got complacent with me. But for mm-hmm. me, I was just just consumed with this uncertainty. But I lost one thing I did have was focus on something, and that mm-hmm. was serving, serving people and helping people. People didn't understand why I did it. You know, sometimes even people mm-hmm. who, especially weren't part of the church, was like. Why do you waste your time? Why are you doing it? But eventually I found a lot of healing from helping people. And at the end of the day, with all this COVID-19 and all this this illusion of control that we try to pretend we have, what really matters is the connection we have. People that are around us right now at that. So I, I do find there is a lot of healing when we talk about, you know, when we talk about, when you look at control and kind of understand that yeah, we may not have all control. There might be a lot of uncertainty, but we have choice. We have a choice to choose what we do with it. You know, yeah. we have 
So, I mean, abs- absolutely, we're you're you're on target. In fact, that probably the bigger concern um, that I have with COVID nineteen is not the the effects of the virus on your physical health. It's it's what it's done to us psychologically. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, just doing chaplain work uh, at at the hospital. Um, man, I mean, people have been isolated and alone in the in their most vulnerable time. And uh, nurses have had to become like their family members and uh, nurses are overtaxed because ner- what do nurses care about? You know, what, what's the goal of a nurse? A nurse is concerned with physical health, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's a body in there to them and it's biology to them. Yeah, yeah. And now they're having to, you know, enter into the grounds of emotional health um, on top of all of the, all of the complicated, you know, difficult things of biology, mm-hmm. um, you know, in physical health. And now they're now nurses are have to, having to become you know the the family members and the counselors and the people who help them cope through crisis and um, you know because because chaplains for the longest time during the COVID nineteen weren't even allowed to go into the rooms right nurses were like the only ones allowed to even go into a room. Um, fortunately now like a lot of those restrictions have lifted but um, you know throughout the whole time like I still had access to a lot of patients um, that. Uh, um, you know, especially if a nurse really needed needed a chaplain, you know, I would go. But the restrictions just what they did was was they isolated people and they caused. Um, well, here, let, let me just put it this way. You would think that families during time of crisis in a hospital can a physical uh, crisis, you know, cancer, you know, heart disease, whatever. I mean, any time of physical type of thing, covid virus, I mean, whatever it is. You would think that families complicate things. They show up there. They're you know they're always wanting to be present. They're like you know they're um, they can nag. Uh, they <laughs> they they can make a situation for a nurse a little bit more you know interesting. And uh, on top of that, they sometimes bring seem to bring more stress to a to a person who is you know they're having to do with all these relational things on top of trying to get better in the hospital. You, you would think all of that would. It would be nice that there weren't families present in a hospital, but but what you find out is the transference of 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 whatever a person is going through. Mm-hmm. You know, when they transfer it into a medical staff member, they transfer it into a nurse. That this this now stresses the nurse out and creates a crisis for the, for the nurse or or the medical staff that wasn't there before because the family was holding that space with them, mm-hmm. right? Friends were holding that space with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a loved one was holding the space with them that was that was therapeutic. Yeah. You know, relationship is is about healing. Without relationships, there there is no healing. Um, yeah. If you're going through a physical crisis, that relationship, even with the stresses and the complexities of that relationship, is still offering a space that a person that a person is able to enter into and not feel alone. Yeah. Right. And being alone is the worst part of the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. Is that that type of, I mean, man, families are overly complicated. You know this, you moved to Florida, yeah. and you found out that all these people had all these expectations and they had these perceptions of who you were, mm. you know, before, before you even got there and all of this yeah. stuff. But imagine if they hadn't have been there and you had moved to Florida on your own. Yeah. That that's even worse yeah. than all of the negative things that come with yeah. you know <laughs> these these really difficult interpersonal relationships. It is very true, and you know I kind of want to 
switch gears because I had this sure. one question in my head. It was, what would you like to see people learn from this COVID nineteen, even after it quote unquote subsides a bit? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, what I think people should learn are really two things. The the first thing is we have to be present with people. Um, Social distancing is an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't solve any problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Physical distancing to some degree. I mean, I I get it. I understand why, you know, spread, slow the spread. And Mm -hmm. I, I think people lost sight of the fact that when we started it, we started it because it was meant to not overwhelm hospitals with cases. Yeah. It wasn't meant to restrict our contact with each other. Yeah. Right. Um, and what happened was people started restricting their contact contact with each other. And, and even if something as simple as a face mask, mm-hmm. the, the irony of COVID is that, you know, it's a respiratory virus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you remember, you know, the comments of Mr. Floyd when he said, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in that metaphor of I can't breathe in COVID virus. Mm-hmm. You know, that that metaphor of I can't breathe is it is a psychological, it's a mental health um, cry that that I need space with family, loved ones, friends, with social context, with people who care about me. Like I, I need to have that space because without it, I can't breathe. Yeah. Right. The mask on, you know, that's a, that's a metaphor of, of covering ourselves and hiding ourselves of, from people. Mm. And so if we learn anything about going through any, any kind of crisis is that social distancing is, it's the worst thing you can do for somebody in a mental health crisis yeah yes uh, so we got we have to stop that yeah you know there should be no social distancing um you can be in a, in a space with somebody and be six feet apart and still have great interpersonal connection yes right so so i think i think that's the, that's the one key the other thing is is this perception of control how much more freeing is it when we accept that we're not in control yeah but we're in control of some things very small thing you know very minor but but the weight of the world is not on our shoulders. It's yeah. not on each one of our shoulders. And I think of the story of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, mm-hmm. when Daniel confronted Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. you know, the dream in, in Daniel yeah, chapter yeah. one and two, Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar, like he needed the interpretation of this dream. Well, the revel, the, he already knew the interpretation of the dream. He had the dream and he was given, a, <laughs> you are this head of gold. I mean, he was told. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the freeing thing was when Daniel entered into the space with him, it's no longer Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's now Daniel's dream too. It's shared, right? Because mm-hmm. Daniel was given the dream by God too. And the, the most, I think the most healing thing that took place for Nebuchadnezzar in that story was he was able to realize that the rise and fall of the universe is not on his shoulders. Yeah. Greatest, greatest king in the, you know, he's the, he's the leader of the whole world. You know, they're the world empire at the time, uh, Babylon. Mm-hmm. But through that dream and through Daniel's sp- entering the space with Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel entering into it with him was able to help him to see that everything doesn't rise and fall with him. Yeah. The same thing is true for us. Yeah. Uh, everything doesn't rise and fall with us. Right. Yeah. And there's some healing that can take place in that. I find that very true. You know, um, <laughs> I use this quote from Bob Marley. He said, truth is everyone's going to hurt you, 
just got to find the one worth suffering for. <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> yeah. the, the funny thing is, um, you know, I'm, you know, Joanne, you know, um, one thing that really was good for us was that we realized that um, we're willing to be, have pie in our face moments, make a sure. mistake and be okay with it. You know, the idea of always being right and not making a mistake doesn't provide any room for healing. And it doesn't provide, and it is a lot of freeing when you have that moments when you're able to make mistakes and laugh about it. You know, we're not perfect. It's not all, the weight's not all on us. And that I think is an important lesson to learn. Another thing is, you know, you know, earlier I said about serving others and serving. And, you know, obviously I know not all the listeners are maybe faith-based, but one thing I appreciate is when Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. And I thought about a lot during this COVID-19. Why do you say it that way? For me, I feel like if he was being served, he couldn't share. Serving others is sharing yourself with someone. Serving, one, so sharing is part of a huge part of life. You know, you, you eat yeah. in a group, in a family, culturally, you share the food together. You know, sharing and serving is one that work together in, uh, in unison. I, f- I love the kind of illustration in my head when I thought about serving others. Instead of mm-hmm. being served, when I serve others, I'm sharing myself with that person. Yeah. Just like... Well, yeah. I mean, it's a point of relationship, isn't it? Yeah, that you're, yeah. share- you're sharing the load. Um, yeah. You don't have to carry your burdens alone. Right? Yeah. And one last question before we, you know, I ask you any final thoughts is, why is it so important that our communities and society remember the lessons you just shared moving forward? And well, why should they remember the lessons I just well, shared? Well, yeah, yeah. But why? Why do you think it's so important? And um, should I should I speak about like my my greatness and <laughs> yeah? <laughs> no, just like I know you kind of answered the question already, but like for me, it's no, kinda, I'm just teasing. But yeah. you know the the why? Um, well, I, I think of Job uh, thirty three. You know, mm-hmm. it's a Joe, I mean, the question that Job asks in in the in Scripture is it's profound because he he essentially says to God, God, you don't know what it's like to be me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just don't understand what it's like to be me. You're God, and I'm man, and you know, I'm I'm afflicted, and you're not, and so mm-hmm. you don't know what it's like. And the response God gives is kind of condescending. He's like, Well, Job, you don't know what it's like to be me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for answering my question, right? But in that interchange, there is this person involved in that, and his name is Elihu, right? This, mm. this priest, this religious figure. And in Job 33, Elihu is this messianic figure because it's really the, an- the answer to Job's question. The answer to Job's question is God became man, and therefore, um, now we can enter into space together. Yeah. Now we can enter into relationship together and knowing together each other's experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, we call this empathy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in Job 33, Elihu says to Job, Job, you know, you're, you're, you're saying, you know, who, who are you to say this? But I'm telling you this, that, that um, the, same, the same breath that God gave you, mm-hmm. he gave me. Uh, the same breath. And as long as we have this breath, it's the great equalizing factor mm-hmm. of humanity is that breath breath is is uh, this identity that comes from God, this this um, this image that comes from God. This breath, um, it's a great black or white or or, in, or or any other race. I mean it's 
it is the the equalizing thing in each one of us is that the image of God is not about skin pigment it's it's about this breath yeah the spirit that God has given us yeah and everything meaningful is in that spirit and so when we share it together when we share when we share in life together mm -hmm. um, then I can learn from you and you can learn from me and we can we can have mutual um, a, a mutual kind of thing where it's reciprocal, where love is reciprocal, relationship is reciprocal. So I don't have this grandiose view of, you know, the community should always remember the things I said. No. But from experience, though, I would say from experience, the, the breath that God has given me is the same breath he's given you. And, you know, we should use it and we should enter into each other's experiences as much as we can. I, I can never know what you're going through can never know what you're feeling. But I can make an attempt to walk in your shoes. I can make an attempt to hold that space with you. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with each other and with others. And in that, in that kind of sharing, in that kind of empathetic human experience, um, I think that's where we find the most healing. Yeah, you know, there's obviously certain principles we've I've talked about in mm -hmm. this podcast, like, being grateful for what you have and it's yeah. not faith-based um forgiving those who've wronged you and more yeah. importantly forgiving yourself that's hard you know that's that goes back to the whole the weights on my shoulder that i can't be wrong so the yeah. idea is it provides room for healing um any last thoughts joel as we kind of wrap up to the listeners today hmm. Well, I mean, he healing doesn't happen accidentally. Um, you know, none of this stuff in, in your life, you like, you could, you could get down in the muck and the mire and you could lay in bed all day and, you know, not be productive. And, and you could let all the things that have happened to you overwhelm you to the point where you can't function anymore. Um, but um, the first step, it, it may be a friend that calls you. It may be, you know, you may be the person who calls somebody as a first step, whatever that is. But the first step is, you know, take a step, right? I mean, you, you remember what about Bob? <laughs> you remember that? Movie, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, the I think the profound insight in that story was this baby step approach, right? The yeah, baby steps. You know, and Bill yeah. Murray takes these baby steps. And he takes it so literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and as a result, as a result, the you know the psychologist realizes what an opportunist he is, and he becomes insane himself. Right? <laughs> Bob shows yeah. him how much he has his own psychological issues that he's dealing yeah. with. You know, and yeah. You know the movie. I think he ends up committed, and Bob ends up this healthy, like you know. <laughs> well, you know, you know everybody like, loves Bob. You know. Yeah, you know, you find that when we, uh, what I find when I ever have like someone who really annoys me or I don't yeah. like, there's a lot of things in that person that I don't like seeing in myself. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the what about Bob experience. Like, and then, and then the, th the great thing about Bob is like, and I, and I think this is where we could all learn. And this is maybe a closing thought that I have is that people liked Bob because he was present. Yeah. Not because he was all put together. Right. And the psychologist they didn't like because he wasn't put together and not because he was, he was put together. He was the most put together individual you could, you could imagine, mm -hmm. but he wasn't present. He was distant from everybody, mm -hmm. right? Like he, he was all about whatever opportunity would, would, would springboard him ahead. And so as a first step, as a baby step, really, um, this is all about presence with people, with each other. Yeah. yeah. Being present. Thank you, Joel. 
I uh, just want to share to our listeners to remember to check out Revive Ministry Podcast on the website for all new episodes, reviveministryfl.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. This is goodbye from Revive Ministry Podcast. I will leave you with this quote. Healing may not be so much about getting better as about letting go of everything that isn't you, all the expectations, all the beliefs, and becoming who you are.